the Eric Lakawama, rather the Erie Lakawama, with all its complexity and David versus Goliath qualities, was just the kind of mess that became Bruce Hendry's bread and butter. Finding a company in trouble, burrowing into its assets and liabilities, reading the fine print on credit obligations, looking at its industry and where things are headed, understanding the litigation process, and wading into it armed with a pretty good idea of how things were going to play out. There are stories of other remarkable conquests. He took control of Kaiser Steel, staved off its liquidation, guided it out of bankruptcy as CEO, and was awarded 2% ownership of the new corporation. He interceded in the failure of First Republic Bank of Texas and came out the other side with a 600% return on some of his first investments in the company. When manufacturers stopped making railroad boxcars because they were in oversupply, Bruce bought a thousand of the last ones built, collected 20% on his investment from lease contracts that the railroads were bound to honor, and then sold the cars a year later when they were in short supply and fetching a handsome price. The story of Hendry's rise is both familiar and particular. Familiar in the nature of the quest, and particular in the ways Bruce has, quote, gone to school, unquote, on his ventures building his own set of rules for what makes an investment opportunity attractive, stitching the rules into a template, and then finding new and different ways to apply it. When he asked how he accounts for his success, the lessons he cites are deceptively simple. Go where the competition isn't, dig deep, ask the right questions, see the big picture, take risks, be honest. But these explanations aren't very satisfying. Behind them is a more interesting story, the one we infer from reading between the lines, how he figured out what knowledge he needed and how he then went after it, how early setbacks helped seed the skills of shrewder judgment and how he developed a nose for value where others can only smell trouble. His gift for detecting value seems uncanny. His stories bring to mind the kid who, waking up on his fourth birthday to find a big pile of manure in the yard, dances around it crying, quote, I'm pretty sure there's a pony in there somewhere, unquote. All people are different. A truism we quickly discern as children, comparing ourselves to siblings. It's evident in grade school, on the sports field, in the boardroom. Even if we shared Bruce Hendry's desire and determination, even if we took his pointers to heart, how many of us would learn the art of knowing which pile had a pony in it? 
As the story of Bruce makes clear, some learning differences matter more than others. What, but which differences? That's what we'll explore in the rest of this chapter. One difference that appears to matter a lot is how you see yourself and your abilities. As a maxim goes, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. The work of Carol Dweck, described in Chapter 7, goes a long way toward validating this sentiment. So does a Fortune article of a few years ago that tells of a seeming contradiction, the stories of people with dyslexia who have become high achievers in business and other fields despite their learning abilities. Richard Branson of Virgin Records and Virgin Atlantic Airways quit school at 16 to start and run businesses now worth billions. Diane Swank is one of the top economic forecasters in the United States. Craig McCaw is a pioneer of the cellular phone industry. Paul Orflea founded Kinko's. These achievers and others, when asked, told their stories of overcoming adversity. All had trouble in school with the accepted methods of learning. Most were mislabeled low IQ. Some were held back or shunted into classes for the mentally retarded. And nearly all were supported by parents, tutors, and mentors who believed in them. Branson recalls, at some point, I think I decided that being dyslexic was better than being stupid. There, in a phrase, Branson's personal narrative of exceptionalism. The stories we create on, to understand ourselves become the narratives of our lives. The stories we create to understand ourselves from the narratives of our lives, explaining the accidents and choices that have brought us where we are, what I'm good at, what I care about most, and where I'm headed. If you're among the last kids standing on the sidelines as the softball teams are chosen up, the way you understand your place in the world likely changes a little, shaping your sense of ability and the subsequent paths you take. What you tell yourself about your ability plays a part in shaping the ways you learn and perform. How hard you apply yourself, for example, or your tolerance for risk-taking and your willingness to persevere in the face of difficulty. But differences in skills and your ability to convert new knowledge into building blocks for further learning also shape your routes to success. Your finesse at softball, for example, depends on a constellation of different skills, like your ability to hire, hit, 
hit the ball, run the bases, and field and throw a ball. Moreover, still Moreover, skill on the playing field is not a prerequisite for becoming a star in the sport in a different capacity. Many of the best managers and coaches in pro sports were mediocre or poor players, but happened to be exceptional students of their games. Although Tony La Russa's career as a baseball player was short and undistinguishable, other undistinguished, he went on to manage ball teams with remarkable success. When he retired, chalk, having chalked up his six American and National League championships and three World Series titles, he was hailed. Each of us has a large blanket of resources in the form of aptitudes. Poor diet. Each of us has a large basket of resources in the form of aptitudes. Prior knowledge. prior knowledge, intelligence, interests, and sense of personal empowerment that shape how we learn and how we overcome our shortcomings. Some of these differences matter a lot. For example, our ability to abstract underlying principles from new experiences and to convert new knowledge into mental structures. Other differences we may think count for a lot. For example, having a verbal or visual learning style actually don't. <laughs>